tablet, iPad, phone with your Bible on it, iPad with your Bible on it. If you'd like to stand with me, I appreciate that. Stand for the reading of the word of the Lord. Amen. The word of the Lord is the authority and the name of the Lord is the power. Amen. Hallelujah. Our greeter did good this morning. Thank you, greeter. <laughs> keep work. Uh, keep working with our greeter. We appreciate it. This is the idea. I think. I thank you for the little bit of training you put into the greeter this morning. She she trained him this morning. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. It's just so good to be involved with the things of God and the work of God. Whatever way you can get involved with the kingdom, doing something for Christ, just do it. It just changes everything about your life. You realize, you know. The least you can do is give back, for the Lord has given to us much. And so, to whom much is given, amen. (laughs) Matthew chapter 21, verse 18. Matthew 21, verse 18. Amen. If you will turn your Bibles, you will tap on your app, your Bible app. And for those of you that don't have um, anything to find that you can look on the uh, overhead here and that will probably work as well. Amen. Matthew 21 verse number 18. We'll read from 18 through 22. Verse 18 says, now in the morning as he returned into the city, he hungered. This is talking about Jesus. And when he saw a fig tree in the way, He came to it and found nothing thereupon, but leaves only. And said unto it, let no fruit grow on thee henceforward forever. And presently the fig tree withered. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, how soon is the fig tree withered away? Verse 21, Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, if you have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. There's a lot going on right there. There's a lot going on. And I feel like this morning I want to help you understand what the Lord wants you to understand. And so we'll get into the text of what we just read here this morning. Will you pray with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord God, for your goodness. We thank you for your kindness. We appreciate you. Oh, God, we love you. You've been good to us, better to us than we can ever be to ourselves. God, we're hungry this morning. 
We're desperate this morning. We desire, Lord God, for the demonstration of the power of the Holy Ghost to manifest among us. We desire this morning, Lord God, for your power to be revealed. We desire this morning, O oh God, for some things that we have been calling on your name for, O oh God, to be given. We desire, Lord God, for your will to be done. We desire, Lord God, for our prayers that we've been praying to be answered this morning, today, Lord God. We desire, Lord God, for signs, wonders, and miracles uh, to be manifested in this service. Uh, we desire, Lord God, for your will and your will alone uh, to be done in our life. Now, God, we ask uh, that by faith today we will experience such miracles. Uh, we will experience such signs, wonders, uh, and demonstration. We will experience uh, such working uh, of the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, we will, Almighty God, experience uh, what you intend. And so we call on your name this morning uh, and we say, God, let it be done. Let it be done according to your will. Oh God, for your will. Oh yes. And amen. And we ask this morning that your will be done in this service. We give you the praise and the honor and the glory for you alone are God. You alone are the only one that can do these things that we read about and we talk about and that we can be about. We praise you and thank you and ask you all these things in Jesus name. Somebody say in Jesus name. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Today, I want to talk to you on this topic. If you have faith and doubt not. If you have faith and doubt not. Three things I want to mention to you that I believe is, 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 is important that we should understand about God. There's a lot of things we need to know and understand about God. But just for the sake of what we're discussing this morning, I want to mention these three things to you. How many of us know that God cannot lie? Oh, I already see what the problem is. <laughs> The book of Numbers 23 and 19. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither is he the son of man that he should not, that he should repent. Had he said it and shall he not do it? Or had he spoken and shall it not, shall he not make good? The Bible says God is not a man that he should lie. God cannot lie even if he tried. You know what I mean? You, we can lie, you know, because, you know, we always worried about, you know, ourselves and getting in trouble and we don't want to look bad and all those things. God can't even lie if, if, if he wanted to. He's just not able to lie. You know, we say God can do all things. He can't lie. And so God cannot lie, which means whatsoever he says, it is truth, and it has to happen. we got to get a hold of this thing and realize that whatever the Word of God says, because God cannot lie, it has to be done. It will happen, because God cannot lie. I'm asking you today to understand, if, if, if we know the Word of God is true, if we believe that God is real, then we got to know that the Word of God is truth, and it's the Word of God. And if it's the word of God, God has spoken it and he cannot lie. Probably we can start right there and realize what a lot of our problems are. We, we, we understand and we're supposed to know that God cannot lie, but somehow we still don't believe what we read. We know God can't lie. Well, why don't we believe it? 
Why are we not practicing it? Why aren't we living it if God can't lie? If you know God's word is as sure as anything that you can know that is sure, and it's even surer than that, if you know that, why do we hesitate to fulfill and respond and obey the word of God? Why do we hold back from trusting and obeying the word of God? If we know God's word is true and God can't lie, we ain't supposed to worry. We're just supposed to just go ahead and do what God's word said do. I'm going to have to help you this morning to believe that. Because it don't look like you believe that this morning. Tell your neighbor, God cannot lie. Tell your other neighbor, God cannot lie. No matter what, he can't lie. So whatever he says, it has to happen. Man, I wish we was good like that. Whatever it is, because we can't lie. It's just, it just, that's what it is. God cannot lie. The other thing I want to tell you about God is this. God has no motives to be untrue. God don't have any motive. Really, always remember, whatever we do, there's a motive behind it. Anytime the police investigates a murder, the first thing they say is, we got to find motive. The first people they start checking is the people that could have motive. A man murder his spouse. First thing they want to know is let's check the insurance policy. That's how they investigate. I'm just telling you how they investigate. Let's check the insurance policy. And if the insurance policy is big on the wife, the first suspect is the husband. Because he had motive. And so, whatever we do is what they're telling us that we understand how people work. Whatever people do, they do it with an ulterior motive. What is your motive for what you're doing? And God don't have a motive that can be wrong for why he's telling us what we need to do or why he's giving us the word of God. His motives are righteous. His motives are pure. And his motives are true. It's not like our motive. Our motive is selfish. Oh, yeah. Most of the times, whatever we do, we can trace it back. To something that we're trying to gain. This is why we, we're challenged in living for God. Because while I can trick you, while I can deceive you, while I can manipulate you, we can't do that to God. We can do that to each other. We can't do it to God. And so God went, know when you're trying to manipulate. God know when you're trying to trick him. God know when you're, you just just believe in a lie, you just outright just believe your own stuff, and you know it's really not the way it is, but you just choose to believe your own thing. God knows all of that. He knows our motive. And so the question is, why would God have any motive that is untrue, that is unrighteous, that is unholy, that is not good for us? All of God's motives are pure and true.
So whatever he says, it has to come to pass because it's truth. But also he has no motive to tell you a lie. He has no motive to do anything other than what he says. Listen, God is sovereign. God is all powerful. God is all knowing. God is all sufficient. And God is self-existing. You know what that means? He don't need us. So why would he do anything to deceive us? Why would he do anything to trick us? Why would he do anything that's just mean, meaningless? He has no reason for that. No. The other thing we need to know about God is God speaks to us out of love. God speaks to us out of love. The Bible says, in John 3:16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son he loved us that he gave his life for us who in the world is that crazy to give their life for someone and then treat that someone badly i don't know anybody that does that and god will never do something like that God loved us and still loves us. He gave his life for us. Now look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 4, what it says about love. It says charity in the Bible, but it's love. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 4 says, love suffereth long. God suffereth long with us, waiting on us. Waiting on us to get it together. He's suffering. We don't understand how much God loves us. God is trying to do something in our life and he's trying to make our life better and we don't understand it and sometimes ignorant of it and we're just dragging our foot and God is saying, I'm waiting. Love suffereth long. Love is kind. Love envieth not. Love vaunted not itself. Is not puffed up. This is love. So God is not doing this out of selfishness. God is not doing this to say, look at me. God is not doing this for any other reasons other than he just loved us. Love does not behave itself unseemly. Love seeketh not her own. Love is not easily provoked. Love Think it no evil. God is not even easily provoked. The kind of things that we do sometimes, he should be angry and provoked in his spirit and just come at us real hard. But it takes him a long time. I don't know if you remember and can recall the story of Job. It took God a long time before he says, where were you before? In the book of Job, it started out in chapter 1. And it wasn't until chapter 36, 37, 38 before he got into Job's face and his grill and says, what's up with you, Job, why you think you something when you're really not? Because I'm the one that created this earth. I'm the one that gave you breath. I'm the one that sustained you. But it took him a long time before he got to that place to get upset with Job. It takes him a long time before he gets upset with us. But do he get upset with us? You best believe that. You best believe he does. But he still loves us. Love. Rejoice it not in iniquity. But rejoice it in truth. See that thing again, that word truth? Uh Uh-huh. 
beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things, love never fail. When God deals with us, he deals with us from the standpoint or the position of love. So here's three things. Let's go over them again that we know about God that I need for you to understand this morning. God cannot lie. His word is truth. His word is true. We cannot just just ignore his word because his word is true. He his motives cannot be impure. His motives are right. His motive can't be for untruth. His motive is for truth. And also he does everything, speaks to us, take care of us. Out of love. God loves us. If you have faith and doubt not, you'll experience what God said you will have. Because he just told us he can't lie. So all that we've read in the Bible, some of us say, why isn't it happening? I don't know if you do like I do. Whatever God says, if it's not happening, first thing I say is, what am I doing wrong? I suggest that's kind of how you want to think. If you read God's word and it's not happening in your life, you're, 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 you're applying it to your life and it's not happening, first thing you want to say is, what am I doing wrong here, Lord? Why isn't this working? Because you can't lie. I just gave you a way to approach God. If, if you apply God's word to your life and it's not working, you go to him and says, God, I'm applying your word to my life. It's not working. What am I missing here? Maybe we're afraid to go because then he'll tell you what's missing. <laughs> right? Maybe he'll tell you what's missing. Oh, you've been doing that, but you've been doing it selfishly. Oh, you've been doing that, but you even repent about that stuff you did yesterday. You were wrong yesterday. You didn't even come to me and apologize. Repent. You just kept on going. And now you want to come and apply and throw my word in my face? I'm going to do it, but you got to be right. Amen. Uh, maybe that's why we don't ask God what's going on. Well, let's go to the lesson here. And so we read earlier, it says, And when he saw the fig tree, he came to it. This was in Matthew 21, 19, he came to the fig tree and found nothing on the fig tree. There was supposed to be fig on the fig tree. He found nothing on the fig tree. Yeah. If you go to the book of Mark, Mark eleven thirteen, kind of gives you a little bit more insight to the whole process of Jesus coming to that fig tree. So Jesus saw the leaves on the fig tree. Oh, the Bible says he was a hungered. He was hungry. He saw the leaves on the fig tree. So he approached the fig tree because fig should be on a fig tree because it was looking like it was bearing fruit. But Mark gives an account that might get you a little confused, but let's clarify that. In the book of Mark eleven thirteen, it says the time of fig or figs was not yet. So why should Jesus 
think the tree would have fig on it. Well, let me clarify it. When it says the time of fig was not yet, it meant the, the gathering, the harvesting of the fig. Like anything, if you know anything about farming, when a season come, the trees and whatever start bearing fruit. And after a while, when the season is coming to a close, they gather everything. They get everything in, pick everything, dig up everything, whatever it is, and gather it all because now the season is getting ready to go by. So you got to gather everything so you can have what you need to have, sell it, whatever you need to do. So what it was saying was the season for gathering figs and, and, and harvesting figs was not yet, which means it was well in the season of the fig tree bearing fruit. Jesus wouldn't go to the tree expecting fruit if fruit shouldn't be on it. And so Jesus went to the tree expecting for fruit to be on the tree. And when he got to the tree, everything looked good about the tree. Oh, Lord. Everything looked good. The leaves were sprouting. It looked healthy. Everything was going on. But there were no fruit. Mm. And when he realized there was no fruit, he cursed the tree. From now on, no fruit will come to this tree. And the Bible says immediately the tree withered. That was it. The tree never bear fruit ever again. Why did Jesus curse the tree? Was it because he was hungry and he got mad? I'm hungry and you just wouldn't have any fruit. Well, we know Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. And so we know that he wouldn't allow himself. He had discipline. He had control over himself. So there's no way he could be that angry at a tree to curse the tree. The point Jesus was making is this point. Whatever he creates, whatever he created it for, it's supposed to do what it's supposed to do. Whatever Jesus creates, it's supposed to do what it was created to do. And if it's acting like it's creating, but it's not, it's called hypocrisy it's called falseness it's called faking the funk and Jesus says I'm not having that and he cursed it and it dried up right away and withered and that was it for the rest of the time that fig tree did not bear any fig it did nothing. It just sat there. The disciples went by it again and said, man, that's crazy. I can imagine being with them when Jesus said, man, that's crazy. Young people, oh, snap, look what he did. <laughs> Tree withered up, that's it. And the Bible says it did it immediately. He didn't say it and just eventually it got there immediately. No fig. It was supposed to bear fruit, and it didn't bear fruit. What God creates things to do, they're supposed to do. John chapter 15, verse 4 says, Abide in me, 
and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered and men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. God is telling us uh, this morning, if we will abide in him, uh, you cannot be unprofitable. If you will stay uh, and you will come uh, and plant yourself in Christ, uh, if you abide in him, uh, whatsoever you ask, uh, whatsoever you speak, uh, it shall uh, and it will come to pass. Uh, we got to realize that the trick is abiding in him and he says if you abide in me you will produce much fruit we were created by God to produce much fruit the fruit of goodness the fruit of kindness the fruit of love the fruit of faithfulness the fruit of faith we were born and created to produce much fruit and if we're not producing fruit that's another story it's one thing, it's one thing to not be living for God. We don't expect fruit to come from your tree. You can't produce godly fruit if you're not godly. God don't have a problem with you. Go back to that thing that we always talk about. God says he hates lukewarmness. And when we're lukewarm, he will spew us out of his mouth. He doesn't like the taste of lukewarmness. And when we project to be what we ought to be, but we're really not that, when God decides to deal with you, it's going to be trouble in Denmark. We either got to be cold, producing nothing, and nothing going on, or we ought to be hot, producing fruit. Amen. There should be no in-between for us. Because if we get in-between, we become like that fig tree yes we become like the fig tree god is not interested in us just chilling god is interested in us producing fruit listen talk to you who in here have children and just want their children to be a bum come on parents tyler you laughing you better get it together God, Tyler, Tyler, Tyler in trouble. Tyler, I'm yeah, I need to talk to you at the church, Tyler. You still think you're on vacation. Over there laughing. Yeah, but but who who uh want wants want their children to be a bum? Put your hand up. Nobody? Okay. So why would Jesus want his children to be bum? Why? We don't realize that's what we will be doing if we're supposed to be godly and there is no fruit of God coming from our life. We're being bums. Oh, it's getting tight up in here, huh? It's getting a little hot. 
But it's the truth, though. Can, can somebody agree with me that it's the truth? Somebody needs to say amen. That, it, that, that if we're not doing what God created us to do, it means that we, 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 we're not producing, which means God can't be happy because he created us uh, to be effective, to be prosperous, uh, to be overcomers, to be more than conquerors. He created us to be victorious. He created us uh, to be possessors of the land. He created us to be victorious. And if we're not being successful and profitous, God wants us to be profitable. My God. Help me, Jesus. The fig tree got cursed because it was not profitable. It just sat there and say, look at me. But it wasn't doing what it was supposed to do. I don't want to be one of those, look at me, but I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. If you have faith and doubt not, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. If you have faith and doubt not, how can I have faith? How can I have faith? Romans ten seventeen says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I just believe that we hear the word of God. I don't know. Maybe somebody can tell me why we hear the word of God and we hear continually, hear continually. But somehow it's a struggle for us to execute, to apply, to live out the word of God. Anybody know why that is? We know it's true. We know God don't have a motive to lie to us. We know God speak to us out of love. Why we don't apply this word the way we need to. Why we don't live out this word the way we need to. If you have faith and doubt not. I believe in here. Many of us, most of us, most of us in here have faith. Because we have heard the word of God. And the word of God reveals truth to us. When you hear the word of God and you understand it, it means you know the word of God. And by possessing the word of God, you now possess faith. Mm. Let's get into this a little bit more. Faith is linked to truth. Somebody say that with me. Faith is linked to truth. It isn't wishful thinking or unrealistic hoping. People want you to believe that faith is just believe real hard. People want you to think that faith is just wishful thinking. People want you to believe that faith is you can just think of something just ridiculous and just say it and it happens. It's not faith. That's not faith. Faith is rock solid. You can know faith. Faith is stable. Faith is grounded. Faith is rooted. Faith is steadfastness. Faith is sure. It's not wishful. It's not hoping. Hope and faith is different. It's good to hope in God. But there is nothing like faith because faith is already, it's truth. It, it, it's already established. It is, it is, it is truth and it can't be changed. It cannot be a lie. Faith is something that you know because, li listen. To me, this is between me and God. 
I say this to God all the time. I said, God, Abraham had faith. Noah had faith. Moses had faith. But what we have, I don't know what we have. Here's what I mean by that. When Abraham believed God to the point where he just knew it, nobody else had ever done that. When Moses believed God, nobody else had ever done that. When Noah built that ark, nobody had ever done that. Now, here we are. We have Moses. We have Noah. We have Abraham. We have David. We have Solomon. We have all these great men of God. We go to the New Testament. We have Paul. We have Silas. We have Peter. We can go on and on. We have people that have lived this and have demonstrated this. Why would we ever have doubt? Why would we not know that this thing is real and true and that it worked? Because these people have demonstrated it. They have shown it. It has worked for them. And i got to tell you, friends, that the Bible says God is no respecter of persons. And if God is no respecter of persons, it means he's not going to do something for you that he won't do for me. It means that he's not going to treat you better than he treats me. It means that he's not going to do something special for you and not do something special for me. We read about these men of God and women of God in the Bible and think that they're something different from us. But I'm here to tell you today they're no different from us. God didn't create them any different from us. They don't. They probably don't even have more knowledge of the Word of God than us. We've got more knowledge than them. We're no different from them. And we've got their example to say I know what God can do and if He can do it for them He can do it for me. We know that. Amen. Man, I always say I respect Abraham and Isaac and all of these wonderful men of God because they did this with no example. They heard the voice of God and they just did it. They knew this had to be the unknown, unseen God. And I believe that that's his, that's his voice I'm hearing and I'm going to do it. And they did it and they had nothing as reference points. We got all kind of reference points, all kind of points of reference to say, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. The day of Pentecost came. First was 120 people that got filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost in the upper room. And we just kept reading 3,000. Thousands and thousands were just getting filled with the Holy Ghost. Today, we go over Asia. Today, we go to Africa, and we destroying those records. The first 120 people got the Holy Ghost in the upper room. Then 3,000, and it kept going. 5,000, people just kept on receiving the Holy Ghost. In one church service over in, in, in the Philippines, uh, 100,000 people received the Holy Ghost. Why? Yes, we have faith, but we got a reference point. We read in the book where this is what they did and this is what happened. We read in the book that this happened to them and we said, let's try it. And when they tried it, it happened. 
I don't know if you ever read the book Azusa, Azusa Street Revival. And one of the things the Azusa Street Revival talked about was in 1900 when uh, there were people that, that, that was discovering the whole phenomenon of laying hands on people and them receiving the Holy Ghost and talking in tongues. And, and, and it was a few people that says, you know, this is what the Bible says about this Holy Ghost thing. And people laid hands on people and they received the Holy Ghost and they talked in tongues. And so they read that and they began to try it themselves. And lo and behold, it started happening. They had a reference point. We've got reference points. And so we know assuredly, surely, that whatever God says, it shall and it will come to pass. Not only because he is God and he can't lie, but we've seen it already. We've read about it already. We've heard about it already, even in our our own country and overseas in our own time. We know it's happened. And it's still happening today. Faith. We need to possess it. We need to possess faith and apply it to our life. And so faith is sure. Faith is rooted. Faith is grounded. You cannot have faith and doubt. Tell your neighbor you cannot have faith and doubt. I think that's where we might... Have the challenge. I think that's where we might have the challenge. We know it, but somehow there's a little bit of doubt that creeps in. I don't know why the doubt creeps in. But I think a little bit of doubt creeps in. And that's why sometimes it doesn't work. Because you can't have faith and doubt at the same time. What does that mean? You can't be sure and be unsure at the same time. Oh, somebody help me this morning. You can't know something and all of a sudden doubt what you know because then you don't know. If you know it, you can't doubt it. If you know it, it's a done deal. If you know it, there's no doubt. If you know it, you're just crazy. I know what I'm talking about. I don't know about you. Sometimes we be going off that we know what we're talking about and really don't know what we're talking about. (laughs) But the good news is when me and you are going off, act like we know what we're talking about, but we really don't know. It's just our thing. But when you're going off talking about the word of God and it's right there and that's what it says, it's not your thing. It's his thing. So you know for sure I'm, I'm taking the word of the one that cannot lie. I'm taking the one, the word of the one that have pure motives that cannot be untrue. I'm taking the word of the one that loves me. And so when he speaks to me, he speaks to me in love. That's the, that's the word I'm taking. I'm not taking my word now because I can fuss and go on and don't really know the truth. I thought I knew the truth. I can go on and carry on and realize, oh, I, oh, oh, okay, my bad. That's what we say. My bad. After we argued it down. Oh, I'm telling you. We argue it down. I'm telling you. And found out wasn't true. Not with God's word. God's word is true. He can't be a liar. He can't tell a lie. You cannot have faith and doubt. When you know something, there should be no doubt. There cannot be any doubt. Whatever trial or situation you're going through right now, 
Whatever circumstance that you are dealing with, here is what I'm here to tell you today. Whatever you're handling, whatever you're facing, I don't care what it is. There is no mountain too high. There is no situation. There is no obstacle. There is nothing that you're up against. There is nothing that you need to accomplish that you can't accomplish. God says you just have to have faith. You have to have faith and it it could be little faith or Big faith. Little faith is fig tree faith. And big faith is mountain faith. Because that's what he says. You can do what I just did. Jesus told them, you can do as I did. You can speak to that fig tree or you can speak to that mountain. And I'm telling telling you this morning that there is no situation. There is no problem. There is no obstacle. There is no situation that you're dealing with that you can't just speak the word. And it will come to obedience of what you have spoken. Whatever we're going through. Whatever challenges we have, but we just got to speak the word. And when we speak the word, it will begin to happen. If we just say what God says, when we come to church, we say amen because we agree. Well, guess what? If we will speak God's word and say in the name of Jesus, amen, what I'm saying is I believe it and I concur with it and I claim it because God said it and he said it out of love and he can't lie. I'm telling you today. You just need to claim the word of God. Whatever he has said, you need to claim it. Find where God has spoken it and just claim it in Jesus' name. What is your need this morning? What is your trial this morning? What is your circumstance this morning? Oh, my God. Hallelujah. Sometimes we we allow ourselves to be bound just because we're being stubborn and we don't want to let go of who we are. We don't want to let go of our own point of view. We don't want to let go of where we are. But if we will just let it go and let God be God in our life, we will begin to experience miracles, signs, and wonders. We will begin to experience the power of God working in our lives. If we will just say, God, It's not about my point of view. God, it's not what I think, but it's me claiming the word of God. And I'm going to claim this word today for me and for my family and for my situation. I'm going to claim this word. All you got to do is claim it. All you got to do is speak it in the name of Jesus. He said, if you will have faith and not doubt, if you will have faith, and not doubt. If you will hold on to the word of God, what God has already said, the spoken word, uh, that's knowledge. And if you would just hold on to that and speak it, uh, God said it shall be done unto you. I don't care what it is. Remember I mentioned to you, it's time for us to live from heaven to earth and not from earth to heaven earth to heaven no faith heaven to earth faith because what it means is when I live from heaven to earth remember how God created God created by establishing the ending then go back and start at the beginning did you know that that's how God created God says the Bible says Jesus This is crazy. The Bible says Jesus was the firstborn 
of man. Jesus. And we know Adam came before Jesus. We know so many things happened and so many people came into the world before Jesus was born. The Bible says when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth the son made of a woman, made under the law. So we know Jesus came way after people were created. But why the Bible declared him as the first that was created was because of this. When he started creating, he looked at what he was going to do. But it says he counted the costs. He established how things would work. And so the only reason why we were created the way we were created was because he created himself first in his mind. (laughs) Oh, God. So what he did was created his image, how he would look, how he would present himself in his mind before he created anything. He established that in his mind. So when he knew, I'm a spirit right now, but I'm going to manifest myself and go to that world in man, the form of man. And I'm going to call my name Jesus. I'm going to do that. But right now is not the time for that. But I'm going to do that. I'm going to make myself a man. I'm going to make myself a human. But right now is not the time. But that's what I'm going to do. Okay. Well, since I'm going to be a human, and my desire has always been to have relationship and fellowship with, 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 with something or someone like me, i got to create them like me now. So that's how we came to be who we are is because he created himself in his mind first as a human. Then he realized in order, he didn't realize, he knows. Then he knows that, okay, now it's time to create them like me. Make them in the image of me. Make them into my likeness. Make them to be like me. So when I finally do get there, they can relate to me and I can relate to them. God had created the ending before he created the beginning. So all of us that's thinking that, oh, okay, what's going to happen now? What's going to happen next? It's already a done deal with God. And so all we have to do is claim what has already been done. That is faith. That is what we're talking about. We've read the word. We understand the word. All we got to do now is just speak the word and says, God, you said that you will return for us one day. You said there will be a new heaven and a new earth. You said my name will be written in the Lamb's book of life if I obey your word. You said I am more than a conqueror. You said when I'm weak I'm strong. You said Lord God that you are my healer and my great physician. You said Almighty God you will provide all of my needs according to my riches in glory. And so now God you know I got needs and you said you will provide. Now I'm claiming your provision In Jesus' name. Let me tell you something as I'm closing here. We was at, I told my friend, Brother White, a long time ago. I told him this. Doesn't matter who hear this. I told him this. That God is going to do something special in New Jersey. God is going to save a lot of people in New Jersey. Our area that we are in, God is going to save a lot of people. And we're going to be a big part of that. I said that years ago. I said that years ago. Because God had put that in my heart. And I know what God said. The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. 
I know what God says. He says it's not the will of God that any should perish, but that all will come to repentance. God's desire is for every person in this world to be saved, to know him and live for him and go to heaven. That's his desire. Now, will, will some just reject him? Sure they will. But his desire is this. What it means is if there is a ready and able person that will say, God, here I am. God, I am willing to give everything for you so you can work through me to enable me to be a vital part of what you want to do. Here I am. And so every one of us with the right motives, every one of us that will surrender to God, God will work in you and through you to be a blessing to others. That's 100% without a doubt. And, 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 and I've walked this walk with God and I sense it all the time of what he's going to do. And sometimes I'm by myself because sometimes people just decide... I don't know. And I've seen many people back up. I've seen many people drift. I've seen many people, you know, they, 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 they argue among one another and they, 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 they backbite and all kind of things go on because they're worrying. They're not focused on what God said he would do. But I decided to make up my mind. I'm going to be a part of what God said he's going to do. I owe God too much. I don't know how you think. I owe God too much. He's done too much for me. He's he been too good to me for me to stand on the side and say, go ahead, Jesus, do your thing. I cannot do that. He has done too much for me for me to stand on the side and cheer him on. No, he's done so much that I say, God, how can I help you? God, how can I get involved with you? God, what can I do to move what you're trying to move? How can I help, Lord? Here I am, Lord God. Send me. I will go. Whatever I can do, Lord God, you've been too good to me, and you've given me everything and more than I could ever imagine. What you want, here I am, Lord. That's how I feel. And so, we have, because of the times, having dinner one night, me and Brother Henry, Brother Scarlett, Brother Denton, Brother White, and we chilling, and we just hanging, and you know, this guy came up to us. Hey, guys. We said, hello. He says, where are you from? We said, New Jersey. He said, oh, okay. That's cool. I'm from Illinois. I said, all right, good. And, you know, he's telling us, you know, about Illinois. Okay. He went on over to his table with all of his other folks. We went over to. We sat down and just kept on eating. And so the guy came back over and says, you know, we're all preachers here, and I'm not trying to be spiritual. But he, 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 he made sure he gave us a story to qualify what he's going to say. He says, when he was 13 years old, he says, for some reason, he learned the voice of God at an early age, and he knew when God was speaking. And when he was 13 years old, he was sitting in a restaurant with his dad and somebody else. And he said that he heard the voice of the Lord spoke to him. Well, what had happened was a man that looked very wealthy, drove a nice car, looked very wealthy, had walked into the restaurant. And when he walked in the restaurant and sat down, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to this guy, the guy that we were talking to, spoke to him and said, go tell that man that I love him and that I died for him. The dude was like, I'm 13. This is a grown man. I'm not saying that. Real. So he kept on eating, talking to his dad and the man that he was with. And the voice came back to him again. So he decided, okay, I'll fix you, God. He says, 
You see that man sitting over there reading that newspaper, God? God, I guess God must have said yes. I don't know. But he was pointing something out to God. You see that man sitting over the table over there reading the newspaper? I will know that you want me to do this. If this man, that man over there, he looked like a bum. This man over here looked very sophisticated and like he got money. If he go over and borrow the newspaper from him, then I'll go tell him. See how we like to do God? Why can't we just? But I give him an excuse. He's 13. He was 13 at the time. And so the rich guy got up and he's like, oh, see, all right, I'm, I'm good. He figured this is not going to happen. Rich guy got up, went to the bathroom. So he thought it's all over. Rich guy came out of the bathroom, sat down, started looking around. Then the rich guy walked over to the guy. You finished with that paper? <laughs> the guy said, you can have it. He took the paper. Went to sit down now. The dude's like, oh, you got to be kidding me. He had to get up and walked over to the very sophisticated man, a little 13-year-old boy, walk over to this really sophisticated man and says, um, I don't mean to disturb you. And I just couldn't help it. I had to come. It's like I felt God making me come, so I, I had to come. But God just wanted me to tell you that he loves you. And he died for you. The very sophisticated man busted out crying, dropped his hamburgers and almost fell off the chair. The rich man that came in to have his last meal. He was getting ready. He had a nice big hamburger. He was eating it. That was his last meal. He was going to eat that meal and commit suicide. We don't know what God be doing. But I tell you that to say this. This is why the guy says... You know, I've always recognized the voice of God. And so I have to come and tell y'all that God spoke to me and told me he's going to have great revival in New Jersey. And he's going to use y'all at this table. He's going to use y'all to do something great in New Jersey. I, I, I might seem ungrateful these days when I hear stuff like that. Because it's not a, it's not a surprise to me. It's not a surprise to me. I wasn't like, oh, no, I already know this. I know this. I know the back. Listen, when God's getting ready to do something fantastic in your life, a lot of trouble come your way. I heard a preacher preach and he says there's always problems before promotion. And when you start to go through stuff, if you're a Christian and you're trying to live right, I'm not talking about you just living in between and playing around. I'm talking about really living for God and you're a Christian. When trouble starts, you need to start rejoicing. You need to start praising God. You need to start giving Him honor and glory because you know He's getting ready to do something. He's getting ready to do something miraculous. And I've learned that behavior. I've learned that behavior. I watched a lot of things, saw a lot of things. At one time it was very difficult, now it's not. Because all it is nowadays is confirmation. So when trouble come my way, confirmation. Remember I told you, um, last week, when Someone had reached out to me and told me that a group of people was upset because God had put me in a position to do something 
and they were upset because they're saying, how does he get to do that? He, he's not telling the truth about this. That, that, the stuff that he's saying is not all the way true. A group of people started talking about that. I didn't know anything about this. But they were talking about this behind my back. And somebody told me recently, yeah, you know, um, somebody had said this and said that. And that's why, you know, they was, you know, being this way towards you and everything. And I felt kind of bad because, you know, me, just like to always be encouraging the people, try to do right. But I heard that and I kind of felt bad. I'm just like, man, when are we going to get over this? This is just my thinking in my own mind. When are we going to get over this with people always having issue with people and blah, 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 blah. And so I just, okay. And I started walking in my own mind. And that's when that phone call came in a couple hours late. Not even an hour. Probably about less than an hour. That's when that phone call came in. Brother Wyatt, you don't know me, but I know you. The same event that they talked about. Oh, I'm just getting this part. I just, I just got this right in front of y'all. The same event that they were mad at me. The guy called me and said, Brother Wyatt, I saw your general conference, and you testified about your church in the firehouse. And our church want to help your church. I don't even know the man from Adam. I saw him afar off. I don't even know him from Adam. He says, our church is going to partner with you, and we're going to make sure we do whatever we can to help that church grow and to help that church be successful. And so every month we're going to do something for you. So you don't worry about a thing. We don't need no extra nothing. All you need to do when you know that you know things are working for you, just send us a note to let us know it's all going good. So the same event. That people got mad about to say, yeah, he ain't give us the right credit. He ain't say stuff about this and he ain't say stuff about that. The very hour after I got that message, the phone call came in. That same event where you were center stage, dude, I saw you. And your church was put on the map. We we want to help that church in the firehouse. We going to make sure y'all be good and y'all don't get your own building. We want to support you for one whole year. We're going to support you. I don't know the man from Adam. Nothing is surprising me these days because it's just been so overwhelming. I'm just like, it's no sense of even getting crazy anymore because it's just happening. When I went to Because of the Times conference, I saw the guy. I walked up to him. I said, hey, Brother Dean, I'm Brother Wyatt. He laughed. He says, you look a little taller on the website than you do now. They must have made me look tall on the website. I said, oh, Brother Dean, nice to meet you. Man, he started calling everybody over because he's a big wig. I don't know him. Hey, come here. This is Brother Wyatt from New Jersey. We're going to be taking care of this church. Hey, come here. This is Brother Wyatt. And he must have told about three or four people just right on the spot. This is Brother Wyatt. I want you to meet him. I didn't do anything. This is why I can tell you I'm, what I'm saying today. Most preachers that really preach, really preach, they're preaching through a lot of their experiences and examples. And what I'm telling you today to have faith and not doubt, I'm living it. I'm living it because I'm watching God just unfold these things and do all these things. And I'm here to tell you today, I don't care what you're going through. I don't care how much the kids give you a hard time. I don't care what kind of sickness you have to battle. I don't care how the kids are. I don't care how your finances are. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care if you're lonely. I don't care if your marriage ain't working right. I don't care what you're dealing with. I don't care if the job ain't working right and you need a new job. I'm here to tell you today, if you will have faith and not 
doubt. God will come through for you. God will make a way for you. God will provide for you. And you will look back at the situation and say, Oh, that was just a blip on a radar screen. Because God is using that situation to build you. To help you to be a mature Christian. To help you to grow. To help you to produce much fruit. That's why the situation is happening. Will you stand? One of the preachers preached. Mike Williams. Brother Tom, your guy. Um... Let me see if I can see the title of what he preached. Can't, rem- can't, can't catch the title right now. But here is what he preached. He came and he had, you remember um, Joseph had the coats of many, many colors? Okay. He came with the coat. He got, getting ready to preach. He came with the coat and threw the coat down in front of the pulpit. That he, was, he was getting ready to preach. And here was the point that he made. Here's what happened. Joseph brothers sold him into slavery. When they sold him, they took his coat of many colors and got animal blood all on it. Got it all mangled and mingled with animal blood. Here's what they did. Man, this is powerful. They brought the coat to the dead. Jacob. And they put the coat in front of Jacob. Put down the coat. And they didn't say one word. They didn't say one word when they put the coat down in front of Jacob. Guess what Jacob started doing? Crying and bawling. Oh, my son. My son. Some wild beast must have killed him. Jacob, the son of the, the father of Joseph saw the coat and made his own, what's the word I'm looking for? Assumption. Thank you. Made his own assumption what had happened to his son and his son was living. Went to the point where the son started doing well and his son became the chancellor or the governor. You might as well say for the world at that time. And finally it came to pass where he realized that his son was never dead. But God was working through his son to get the Savior. He, J- Joseph is, 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 is like a typology of Jesus Christ. He's the Old Testament Jesus, they like to say. We know nobody's like Jesus, but just, just typology. And Joseph was never dead. And his father came to see that his son was never dead. But guess what? He, the father, made the assumption he was dead. And he lived for all those years while Joseph was flourishing and doing great things. The dad was living, thinking that his son was dead. He probably became a mean old man after that because he thought, my, one and, my last son that I wanted to allow to rule you know, the family and lead the family, he's gone. And so for the longest, that's what was happening. Until he realized, we, just like we can have faith and pronounce the will of God, we sometimes allow doubt to make us pronounce stuff on our own self. 
And so sometimes we're assuming stuff and we start to speak stuff that is not of God and that is not for you, but you're speaking it and you're bringing it into your life. And God is saying, have faith in me, which means say my words, not your words. And so we need to begin to pronounce faith. We need to speak faith, but it's only by the word of God, not your own word. You can't come up with just whatever you want to come up with and just speak it. If I'm sick in the body, I can say, I'm healed. I will live and not die. I can say that because that's God's word. I can say if I got problems, I'm more than a conqueror. I will overcome this situation. And if I need some money, I'm going to say, God, you said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor a seed begging for bread. You said, you will supply all of my needs according to your riches in glory. I can speak those words. They have to, they have to move. They, 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 something has to happen when I say that and not doubt. Amen. And not doubt. I heard a preacher said, same because of the times. He said, he was praying and he asked God, God, why do you cause all those detours in Joseph's life? He got sold into slavery. His brothers put him in a pit, sold him into slavery. Then when the slave traders got him, they sold him to Potiphar's house. Then Potiphar's wife lied on him, and he just went through. He went to jail. All of that stuff. Why did you allow him to go through all that? Why all those detours, God? That's what he asked God. Why do you allow God, uh, J- Joseph to go through all those detours? And God spoke back to him and says, that was a direct route. There was no detour. Oh, amen. No detour. That should be enough lesson to let all of us know. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what your struggles are. I don't care what the situation is. It's not a detour. God is not trying to get you all messed up for you to figure something out. No, it's the direct route. But while you're going through it, God is building character. God is building sustainability. God is building Christian character. God is building faith because you're now going through something to know what is going on. You're not guessing what's going on. You know. Know what's going on by your circumstance. It's a direct route. It's not some route going all around. You got to know these things now. You can speak life. You can speak the word of God in your life and it will happen. All you got to do is begin to claim it. All you got to do is begin to say it and not doubt. God, I will just say it. I will. You need to bind right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I bind doubt that is in the mind and the heart of every individual in this service right now. I bind doubt in the name of Jesus Christ. And I cast doubt into outer darkness right now in the name of Jesus Christ. That no longer will any doubt occupy your mind or your heart. And I release, I, I, I release, I lose faith in your heart and in your mind. The word of God that you know will 
establish you. The word of God that you know will put you on sure foundation. The word of God that you know will begin to take over your life. The word of God that you know will begin to come to life. All we have to do is claim it. Speak it. This is not magic. It's not magic. It's not, it's not blindness. Just, just throwing something out in the dark and hope, uh, throwing something against the wall and hope it stick. This is not what it is. Uh, but it's speaking God's word over your life. Uh, it's speaking God's word over your children's life. Uh, it's speaking God's word uh, over your home. Uh, it's speaking God's word uh, over your finances. Uh, it's speaking God's word uh, in your personal life, in your personal situation. It's speaking God's word uh, in your job situation. Uh, And speaking God's word in your life, God wants to do only what he can do. Only God can do it. And I want you today to walk out of here knowing assuredly that whatsoever you speak according to the word of God, it is done unto you. 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 If you want a renewing and a reviving and a restoration and a newness in the power of the Holy Ghost, you need to say, God, you said the Holy Spirit regenerates and renew. Will you regenerate me by the power of the Holy Ghost? Will you renew me by the power of the Holy Ghost? And also, if you don't have the Holy Ghost, you need to say, God, you said that if I'm baptized in your name, I shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so today, I ask you to cleanse my heart and cleanse my mind and cleanse my soul. For I want your spirit to dwell in me. I worship you and I claim that I have the gift of the Holy Ghost and I will speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives me the utterance. I claim it because I know it's your good gift that you want to give to me and so I claim it. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, I read in the Bible when John and Peter went to the temple at the gate, when they were at the gate, Oh God, the layman was asking for alms and he said, alms, alms. And John Peter says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I to thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And immediately there was strength that came into the ankles and the leg of that layman. And he began to leap and he began to dance and he began to worship you. Father, none of us have to stay in our sickness. None of us have to stay in our situation that is not good for us. God, we claim your will today. Oh God, you said two is better than one. You said two is better than one. And God, if we're married, we, we, we want, oh God, for our marriage to be good. Oh God, we want our marriage to be strong. We want our marriage, oh God, to be sustained by the power of God. We want your will to be done, Lord God. And so we pray your blessings upon our marriages. We pray your blessings, oh God, upon our homes. We pray your blessings, oh God, in our family that we will come together and be close and God be good.
godly in the name of Jesus. It is your will. It is your will that my family be saved. It is your will that my children be saved. And I claim the salvation of God for my children. I claim the salvation of God for my children. I claim their salvation in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, we claim your will today. We claim your will today. We claim your will today. By faith, Lord God, according to your word and not according to my word. I claim your will today. According to your word, Lord God. According to your word, Lord God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Somebody don't leave here today without knowing that you have received what you have claimed according to the word of God. According to the word of God. Lord, I claim unity in our church. I pray for the power of God to manifest in our church. I pray, Lord God, for many to be saved in our church. I pray that many will serve in the church of the living God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Have your way, Lord God. Bless our homes, Lord God. Bless our families, Lord God. Bless us, Lord God, emotionally. God, I pray that you'll give us a sound mind, a right spirit, a right attitude in the name of Jesus. That God, we will become the sons and daughters of God like you claimed for us, Lord God. Like you said for us, there is nothing, Lord God, too hard for you. There is nothing too hard for you, Lord God. Let it be done. Let it be done. Your promises are yea and amen. Your word is true. You cannot speak a lie. And today I claim the truth. I claim the will of God. I claim the purpose of God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 hallelujah.